Good evening, and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Tonight we have on Bobby. How are we doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in. Bobby's hanging on. <laughs> hanging on. Bobby's from the Mighty Pentagram. He's had a very lengthy career. You, your band's been around almost as long as I've been alive. You got one year on me. <laughs> 50 years this year, yeah. That is impressive. That is impressive. It'll be 50, 51 years, really, in, in 22. <laughs> See? Now I'm 51. <laughs> so he, here's the thing. Like I knew about you... In high school, when you're you're like 85, that first one came out, right? It was it was the I have to look now actually, Pentagram album, right? Yeah, the self-titled. Yeah. Uh-huh. First for that because obviously high school metal, Sabbathy, and you know you look at all those bands. Mm-hmm. And then I, I heard some of your stuff over the years, listened to it on and off through whatever the media and records and stuff. Right. Then you had the documentary, kind of brought you back into the world again, mm-hmm. and it did pretty well. It helped you the out a lot. Documentary did really, really well. Yeah, it, it won a lot of awards and stuff, which I was shocked at. You know, I didn't expect awards. I wouldn't even let them film it unless they filmed it real, one hundred percent. So I left in all the the doping stuff, you know, in the old days and all of that kind of shit. You know, it it made me uncomfortable. I'll be honest with you. I felt bad. It's like, oh, it, I felt like I was watching yeah. a train wreck. Yeah, because everybody figured, well, when they're first watching it, they know the guy's going to die. Yeah, and he didn't. Well, I know you won't get up. It was, it was hard to watch with you now to support. It's and, uh, hard for me to struggle. watch. I cry. I, I cry when I watch certain segments of it. It's pretty pathetic. It's got a good happy yes. ending. And, you know, you continue on yes. doing music and you have a child now. It's really good, good stuff. So I, I, two questions, actually two questions related to that. Just on a side note, you said at one point you're doing like, like, it was like $500 a day. Uh, I was doing more than that. Where the heck did you get that kind of money? I was shooting, I was shooting heroin. A lot of it came from my folks, and a lot of my mom was my big enabler. You know, may she rest in peace. And uh, you know, just all all the junky hustles that you do. You know, ripping off stores. I just wish I could afford the habit. I wouldn't want to do it. I just wish I could afford five hundred dollars a day. <laughs> uh, well, I had I had a girlfriend many years ago. She died okay. uh, like back in two thousand one, and uh, she used to hit doctors. Okay. So we supported the habit a lot, doing the bottles. And I was just kind of curious. I'm sorry if it was even private. So no, it's not too private. Not it was it was it was interesting it's actually because an open an open book. And the other thing I had um that they focused on, but then they didn't have your closure on. You were freaking out. You thought you had parasites, uh-huh. and it was pretty rough. Yeah, it was. There was how did you? There. Well, how did you I recover from that? Well, when I quit. And then you just, you just was you didn't feel anymore. There wasn't like the psychosis part went just kind of. Yeah. 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 I okay. think it could have been psychosomatic mm-hmm. and there was also a lot of stuff. I mean, I was grungy all the time and not taking care of myself too. So, you know, you see a speck of dirt, you think it's yeah. a bug. I was just curious. Cause it's like, wow, that just, cause it, it didn't go with it. You know? <laughs> well, you look great now. So this is good. Thank you. Thanks, man. So, Let's talk about some of the albums when you guys first came out. Because, I mean, so you, you started out, you're a heavy metal band from the 70s. We cleared, not a doom band, not a stoner band, heavy metal from the 70s. Took you many years of clubbing and different lineups. You've had a lot of... But, you know, nowadays a lot of bands have huge histories you know, of lineups. Point that, yeah, I point that out to people all the time. They think like, well, Bobby, you must have been awful hard to deal with and stuff like that, like it says in the documentary and all that. And I wasn't hard to get along with. And it wasn't the drugs. It was that we never had a manager, a promoter, a label, any backing. We had no guidance. Mm-hmm. So that's why we really didn't get anywhere for years and years. You know, we were just kind of struggling along on our own. 
Well, I could see you know, if you're if you you weren't showing up for events that 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 could be a stressful thing for Ben. But yeah. I'd also like to say the caveat of in one of the parts actually in the documentary. And I'm not going to keep hitting it. Um, I don't remember who it was the guitar player said that, you know if you hadn't ruined that one day, who knows where you guys would have been. It yeah, Murray Krugman said that. And I'm not I'm not slagging him, but, but I think the problem is it's a coulda, shoulda, woulda, because. How many bands have had a million different albums, had a million different things? One person says, million members. Right. right. It could have changed. You could have had the album, then a week later, you know, they get a new president. There's a reshuffling. It, it, you know, yes. they don't, you're stuck on a label and you do 10 albums and they just shelve them and you can't do anything. There's a lot of things that go on because something like that. Right. You know, right. So yeah, I would think at this point, when I hear it, I was like, well, I mean, you kind of look at the music history of all the behind the music, you would think at that point, you know. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, there were probably 30, 40 people throughout the years, you know, come and gone and Pentagram and stuff like that. But there were mainstays along the way, too, that were in there for very many years and set yeah. the foundation. And then we went through the death row era, you know, blah, 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 and so forth. And, you know, we had a lot of stable stability, too, you know. You did. And, yeah, like you said, a lot of the modern bands nowadays from the 80s have had a lot of people going in and out, a couple of core members. Sure. Yeah, it happens. You know, I mean, you're working with, you know, it's like in a family. People up and leave. They move out. The kids move out. They move back in. That kind of stuff. You know, it's well, also like 50 years of working with 40 people. It's not bad. You find a job that you're at for 50 years and you don't have that many employees in and out. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So the album, the album came out. You had some success. But I'll be honest with you. If we kind of go through some of these albums, like what happens, like, you know, because did you have some support at first off that first album and then kind of the Peter, Peter off or what? Well, no, the, the first album was kind of just released. Originally it was released by a New York, small New York company. And uh, we had uh, distribution by a larger distributor, Dutch East, but they weren't real big. Right. It wasn't, we didn't have any promotion for the first album initially when it was released. It wasn't until Peaceville bought the rights in, uh, it was 91 or so and re-released all the stuff. They re-released the first album and Day of Reckoning, and then we did Before Warren, you know, the we first started getting notoriety. And plus, we hadn't played a lot of gigs in the original band, and uh, or in Death Row at the beginning, the Death Row era. Yeah. Uh, we just, uh, we didn't have the support, man. You know, we're uh, the underdog, I guess. <laughs> Think about all the, the mishaps you guys have had, the fact that you still have you're such a cult following after all the different things that... Yeah, you know. it's pretty wild, man. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. When I look back at it nowadays, you know, I wouldn't trade my life for anything. It's been pretty interesting in a long way. Yeah. Well, you've had a lot of, um, you know, cultural backgrounds, like history, too, with a lot of the people in, in the city. And, you know, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of the artists aren't around anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pentagram only has, you know, Jeff O'Keefe, the original drummer, and myself are the only two that are left from Pentagram, too. You know, the other five, we've had five or six guys die along the way, you know. And who would have thought you would have, you would have outlasted all of them, huh? Exactly. The money I, I, knew. Was, <laughs> I was the guy in high school that was likely to die by 30 for sure. You would have been the dark horse. Somebody would have had a lot of money if they put the, the, the pool on you, man. Oh, oh yes. I was the long shot. Yes, of all of them. And here we are. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. So let's talk about it. So actually, you're now I'm looking, you're just being distributed by Peaceville again. Is that correct? Or the last album? Uh, the last album was. We're not under contract to any record company yeah. right now. So where are you at now with it? Like, 
Uh, right now, we, we have the members Pete Campbell on drums, still Matt Goldsboro's on guitar. He's been back with us for three years. He was also in Pentagram 13 and in 15 when Victor uh, couldn't do certain things and certain obligations and, and yeah. personal things. And uh, we have uh, Greg Turley, of course. His Victor's nephew is the bass player, and he's been with me since uh, really 93. Oh, wow. 95, 95, yeah. So he's a longstanding member, you know, Pete's been in the band now for seven, eight years. And, and Matt's been in back permanent member, you know, for three and a half. So, uh, you know, we're not under contract to anyone. And we're planning on trying to record a new studio album finally in the spring, because it's a little bit overdue. <laughs> now, are you going to try doing it yourself and distributing it and then maybe find somebody to help distribute it? But like you guys take control of it this time, maybe? I don't think so. Uh, you know, bands are really into that nowadays. Well, that's why I'm asking. It feels like it's a new model. Yeah. yeah. The new thing is to, you know, uh, record your album yourself, which we will probably record it ourselves this time because Greg's gotten pretty adept at engineering and doing us. And we would like to record in the basement we rehearse in because it's more comfortable, of course. And uh, we probably will do that and do the recording ourselves, but then try to shop the product, I would think. Because I'm sure there's going to be companies that will be interested in us. Hell, after all the track record now, you know, we are kind of track tested a little bit now. And, uh, you know, but we're not under any kind of contract at all. You know, so. That's crazy. I think, we'll shop, I think we'll shop it because people forget one big thing about it. That no matter how much we'll band say, well, yeah, and I uploaded it myself. and I did it with such and such. And, you know, you can find it all on YouTube and so forth and so on. But without the big guns, marketing, advertising, that's, you know, how do people, they'll say, well, yeah, and it's up there. Well, how do you know it's up there? The way that you've got to market it is what the technical stuff comes in where you need the big boys backing you up because they make sure so-and-so's got a new album out and you can find it here, there, and everywhere and so forth, you know. And that's why I don't think it's a, a winning uh, formula necessarily to put it up there yourself and put it all out yourself. Because people, you know, they will, we put it out and we distribute it worldwide. How does anybody know? Generally, you work with your families. I would say, and I'm going to do devil's advocate on this because I don't think there's, I don't, I, don't, I don't know there's a right way. Right. Um, well, there isn't. There's just, you know, your way and their way. Well, yeah, but but like when people do it themselves with them taking control, they're getting a bigger profit themselves. So they're selling to less people and they already have a built-in audience. At this point, people know who you are. You have your fans. You have your media. It's more like hi hiring a media team to promote it than needing to use the yeah, because that's labels are like a bank at the time. You know what I mean? Yes, they are. They really are. They, they, they push the product and they have the bigger connects. I mean, people that distribute themselves, of course, they get, you know, 90% or whatever the profit plus. You know, and you only get generally you'll get 18 percent on your right. royalties from the company and that kind of thing. But people don't know the thing is there. You know, uh, you say, well, they've got their following and so forth and so on. But you got to remember when you're on Instagram and Facebook, it doesn't go out to everyone. It no, goes no. out to your friends and your Facebook friends and so forth. How many people is that going to be out of the world? No, I agree. Yeah, so it really depends. I don't think there's as hard because I think also because you guys are more of a niche band. You know what I mean? Yeah, we are. I mean, we're not uh, the rock stars. No, no, I mean, you like, know, it is I'm, I'm, 
I'm maybe almost famous. <laughs> you, I'm not. I'm saying you're not like the the Justin Bieber's of the world and that kind of thing. That's where right. the, we don't have the mass the mass selling ability and stuff like that. Sure, no, no rock bands do that really at this point. Pretty much, not too much. No, not, very, yeah. few. very few. You like the Stones and you know. And Aerosmith, they yeah, do I mean, like you know, a few rock bands. You know, I mean, if you're the Guns N' Roses, if you're if you're Zach right. Wild, if you're somebody who's played with the big big boys, you know, then you've got the selling ability, but right. not necessarily. So no. So I was so when you were talking, you you write songs. Well, you how do you are you writing songs? Do you play you play guitar at all? Yeah, I played guitar for about sixty years. Uh huh. Sixty years of guitar and bass. Only because you don't so even I write songs. Playing guitar, yeah, you do okay. That's very cool. Yeah, and then and and sometimes you know people always say, "Is there a formula, right?" Which you're maybe going to ask, you know, no, feed that back. But (laughs) (laughs) feed myself the question, right? No, but uh, you know, it depends. Sometimes a lick come to me. Sometimes I'll have a chord thing that will sound sad. Sometimes I'll have lyrics first, and I'll want to apply them to a structure I can fit them in. So you know, it comes. It's both ways. And and nowadays I, I tend to write more of just lyrics. Because I I don't I don't play guitar proficiently. I never have. That's why I don't play in the band. You know, after all those years, you know, and guitar lessons and stuff, I just I don't have the dexterity. And now I've got arthritic hands getting old. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just where, where? <laughs> Yeah, I can I can do it, you know, but uh We'll push you out in your wheelchair. We'll put your guitar in your lap. Push your wheelchair out in the stage. Okay. There you go. Hey, Leslie West did it. That's right. If he could do it, anybody could do it. Buddy of mine, Leslie was a good friend of mine and uh, a great musician. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to have lost him too. You know, and uh, he played with one leg left and in the wheelchair and was still touring at the end. Can you imagine that? Like, that's some heavy shit there. So you can get up, and you know, you must have been in pain just all day long just to do that. I mean, all the time, you know, I've got, hey, I've got from all the, the years of, of abusing myself and all the scars, which I can probably see, see them on yep. YouTube. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, uh, it gets hard, man. Your, your joints get old. People always tell me about, oh, they're supposed to be your golden years. I always call them your 10 years because <laughs> you start losing your hair. Nothing works. You're falling apart. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, oh, my back, you know, and that kind of shit. And it becomes a pain in the ass overall. You know, it's hard, man. Touring is hard. Touring is very, very hard. Now. When we well, even now, just, you touring now, it's got to be a challenge, right? We toured in 19 was the last time I worked. And uh, except for the Limit album, which I'll get to in a little while. But uh, we toured in 19, and it was really rough on me. You know, I'd wake up with all the aches and pains and everything every morning, you know, and uh, lose some more of this. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing is, and back with the guitar thing, it wasn't about, I was going to ask you a formula, but the thing is, I'd never seen you with it. I know you've talked about writing songs. And so it's interesting when someone says they write songs, but if you don't play guitar, you're writing melodies. I don't know if you just come up with melodies and go on a guitar player like with that, or if you actually were cowboy chording it out. So that's kind so of interesting. Give me two seconds. I mean, just one second. One second. Yep. Quick, quick. I'm still on the air. I'm still on the air. I'm still here. No. My buddy for a gift bought me a left-handed, because I'm a lefty, a left-handed Michael Schenker model flying V. Oh. Gorgeous. A Dean V. Right? And uh, I play that, you know, pretty religiously. I practice, you know. 
I can't do it right, but I still practice. And uh, I still have the ideas. I'm not addled, thank goodness. And you would think through all the, the doping that I'd be a vegetable. But no, no. Well, the bar's been raised though, right? For musicians. Uh, Remember when we were younger? Like you thought, oh my God, you know, at 50, 60, the career's over. You're going to be in Vegas. You're going to be doing lounge music if you want to perform. Right? Yeah. And, and what is Mick yeah. Jagger? Mick Jagger's 78. Well, up there shaking his rear end too. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, the bar, and, and you want to talk about, you know, doing excess, Keith Richards. The bar is as, as high as you can pull. You know, you, know and you, you set your own bar after a while. Keith has set the bar for everybody in, in drugs. Yeah. I mean, if Keith's still here, then I can be here, damn it. <laughs> he's walking dead, and, and God bless him, he's still here. He's still playing. So it's good for him. Yeah, he's still playing. That's awesome. And they're still packing every place. Which is incredible. Even yeah, after Carly. Rolling Stones have gone back to clubbing. <laughs> not going to happen, baby. You know? Uh-uh. I'd pay to see that in a club. That'd be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hell yes. You know, and get up close and got the cozy atmosphere and stuff. Yeah. Like my favorite band of all time is Wishbone Ash. Okay. Oh, wow. And Wishbone Ash have been together for 51 years too. And uh, the last time I saw them, I saw them at a place in Baltimore and it only held 178 seated at tables. And it was like nice. really cool. It was a cozy atmosphere. I mean, they, they still play for 100,000 in festivals and stuff like that. But it was so nice to see them in that, you know, that real cozy, comfortable little setting. You know, it was intimate. Very. You know, the Tarks, I always feel like you want the band you like to have a big audience, right? Mm-hmm. Selfishly, yeah. you want to see them in a small club. <laughs> yes, exactly. People always say, you know, what do you like better? I love that intimate, small club feel and to be able to look out and see in the person's eyeballs, you know, out in front of the stage. Nevertheless, you still get the ego and the power feed and the whole thing off of God damn. I thought you were going to say, I love the big check, and then I love the small club. But <laughs> Yeah, the paycheck is different and when you go to the big ones, but uh, it's really fun to play the big ones to me. Those are the ones that I happen to like, even though I love the intimacy too. You know, because I get to meet people backstage and stuff like that, and still fans that persist. Like, I was a fanboy growing up, totally. I still am for my idols. I mean, when we played at Hellfest in 2012, yeah, had to eat. I ate with Zach Wild, and then I went up and talked to Michael Schenker and got pictures. You know, me with them, that was a big deal to me. I'm still like a little kid in a candy store with my idols, man. I respect these people. God damn, they they you know turned my life around. And it surprised you they knew who you were, right? You're like, you don't think of yourself that way. Some, yeah, some of them did. You know, a few of them did. The big I ones did. Not. not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot of them do. You know, hopefully, right? You get a lot of props. I mean, even even the documentary with was it was it Jim Bauer and you know and Phil. I mean, a lot of the guys yeah. that know their metal. You know, yeah. If you know your heavy music, then you, I guess you would know. Yeah, yeah you know, they, you earned your stripes, which is really kind of cool. Thanks. Man. What is the um? What's the one of the best bands you've played with though? Just, I don't usually ask this question, but because you're you're so you're so diverse, and it might not be a heavy metal band. You mean like big bands, like big major groups? Like? Well, I don't mean like big band, like Frank Sinatra. No, I no. I, I mean like like, like um, just like fun. Like it could be it could be band like a Wishbone Ash. Like so, what's one of your funnest bands you played with? Just uh, one Pentagram toured with Bang, opening for us. Okay. Bang were from '71. 
you know, and Frank yeah. Farrar and Frank Gilkin, they're great people, fantastic people. We had a hell of a, a fun tour with them just all around the United States. And they, they cool. were an awful lot of fun. And they never got their day in the sun either. And they played with the big boys. I mean, the major big boy. They opened for Kiss and stuff like that, you know, and they never got their, their due, you know. So, Feels like everybody has first some time to kiss in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look in the documentary, you know, they came over, Paul and Gene came over to see us in the little house we practiced in. God damn. Yeah, I was floored by that kind of stuff. So that they were still wearing makeup then? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That so was pretty they, early. Yeah, so how did they approach coming over with their makeup? Were they like, no pictures, don't say anything? No pictures, for real. And, uh, you know, because they were very well handled. Yeah. And, and the people knew how to, you know, do it the right way. Uh, they were very stoic and very just observant. And it's kind of like, you know, a lot of us musicians, we do this. Oh, the band. You stand up in the front and you just kind of fold your arms and you just kind of look and you don't make an expression. And I can't help it though. I, I get like, yeah, yeah, go on, man. Yeah, do that. You know, I get excited, but they were, they were stoic, you know. And like he says in, in the film, you know, they didn't like, I had bad skin. Bass player had bad skin. The drummer's too fat. The, the guitar player just stands still. But you know what? They did do it right. So I can't knock them. They gave the all encompassing circus carnival amusement park to everybody in every sense of the world the word the vegas look and yeah. the, the whole show you know. but here's the thing back then though it wasn't it was like remember christopher cross you know and he was huge on the radio but then video didn't translate so well for him and he wasn't like a monster or anything he just wasn't a pretty boy so right. this was in the 70s so it wasn't it was, it was a radio time a lot of bands didn't have to be you know looking like supermodels yeah. Well, yeah, but live, you still had to have. I'm, I'm funny about that. See, I'm still. I consider myself an entertainer first, more than anything else. I'm not just a singer or a writer, or that. I'm an entertainer, and when people pay to go see something, that's the key word to see something. They want to see something. I can't stand when I go watch. Oh, there's so many million bands now that come on with the backwards baseball hat the football jersey, the tennis shoes, and the cutoffs. And there's nothing to look at. So if I want to hear the music, I can play the music. But if I want to go see them, I want to have a presentation of entertainment. I get that. So I still, I can't jump around anymore like I used to and get all crazy. But I hold my own, and I still want to give them something that they won't forget seeing. That's basically my view about that, yeah. How are you keeping your voice in shape at this point? How are you still singing as well? I'm not. I'm not. I smoke almost a pack a day of these. And, uh, you know, uh, my voice is, is out of shape right now. And I have to go uh, to, uh, I can't disclose the information about it, but I have to go do a brand new album in two weeks in uh, North Carolina. Uh, and it's it's gonna take a little <clears throat> you know, i wake up with the phlegm every day you know <laughs> the cobwebs stay away from your milk keep yeah. away from dairy yeah that's the worst i drink worst. a lot of water yeah i drink a hell of a lot of water yeah when i drink a lot of milk it clots you I clogs up your, it clogs your throat up real badly yeah and i love chocolate milk i still love my chocolate milk <laughs> right so <laughs> That, that's an addiction you're allowed to have. That's it. That's all I'm going to give yeah. you. Yeah, right. 
Hey, I, I've been sober for a while now, you know, a few years coming. You know, Good. Completely. I don't mess with anything. Totally clean. No, no drinking, no soft stuff. I know some people. Well, I've never, I've never uh, been a drinker as such. I've only drank uh, socially, you know, and that's on occasion, rare occasion. Uh, the drugging. Uh, no, I can't smoke pot because it chokes me to death. My COPD is so bad. And uh that's that's another thing that I can never understand, except for the guy upstairs and adrenaline are the two factors that allow me to get up on stage for an hour and 15 minutes and mm -hmm. still do my thing, in quotes, because otherwise I walk up three or four steps and I'm completely winded. That's three crazy. or four steps, I mean. Well, and in I fairness, you've, you've probably done more drugs than a lot of people. You've, you've done all the drugs for a lot of people, so... <laughs> Yes, I've done everybody else's drugs. Yes, so, we can we can stop up there. Yes, I have. Enjoying it yeah. the last couple of years, you know, being healthy. Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm in the twilight, man. Let me give me a break, right? Fuck it. Maybe <laughs> you know? chocolate milk and some cigarettes. All right, that's it, though. That's from wrong line. That's about it. That's about it. No, okay, but... occasionally I have to take a muscle relaxer, cyclobenzaprine or Flexibil, as it were. But uh, that's I'm afraid. I'm afraid of narcotics now. Very badly afraid of them because I I remember the hells I've gone through kicking and how many times and so forth and so on and seen so many people go down from it. But that that's a side factor. You know, you live, you have your fun, you do your thing. And, you know, when your number's up, you get called. But, you know, I, I try to stay away from the shit. That's all. I'm afraid yeah, of getting you it. Have, you, you have no control over it. You cannot control it. I mean, it's out there. I, I can't. I can't, you know. You can't have it once. You can't have a, a, a drop of any of that. You just can't. There's no no dabbling for you. Yeah, I have to stay away. But, you know, I, I, uh, I, I've had my falls. But uh, Do you get back up? Yeah, you get back up. Exactly. That's get what you do. You, you off the bike, get on the bike. Right. right. That's the only way to conquer it. And, you know, no, yeah. I, I'm very, very fearful, though, of uh, any thing that's highly addictive you know narcotics and cocaine's not addictive but it's i smoked crack for 40 years too and with that it was so bad wanting that you need it there i.e addiction uh, although those are the good drugs if you want your body to look good though right it's not like you're, you're drinking alcohol and bloating up <laughs> or a cheeseburger yeah, right the heroin was was preserving me right? yeah. how does he seem so thin it's like a supermodel <laughs> Three really? crackers a day and an olive. Wow. It's <laughs> crazy. So yeah, that's gotta be the um the challenges now just to kind of stay healthy and get up every day on your own. That's enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I get up, you know, I have my uh my real strong cup of coffee. I don't even allow myself to drink a second cup of coffee. I'm afraid of anything that makes you feel kind of too if you feel a little altered and you get out there, it's easy to climb back on the, the wrong horse in the stable. Well, you've been so lucky with all the times you've fallen and that the band's still there. You still can have a career. I mean, I don't know many people that would still have a career yeah. in, any, in any, any profession, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Man. I mean, your rock and roll is a lot more forgiving for drugs. Let's be honest. It's not like you're a doctor or anything. Where you, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> Right. But they even at this point, or even rock and roll, they have an easier time getting it at least, right? You would, you know, it's funny, yeah. Um, <laughs> with rock and roll, it's not costly. Like, 
the 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 new the new thing is now is like the responsibility. The good good musicians get hired are the ones that show up, that are on time, that are hard workers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the yeah, new. Yeah, I had a reputation. They they gave me that reputation also for not showing up at gigs. You know, my guys in the band point out, well, you know, I'm just gonna show up. I've missed in my entire career. I've missed three gigs that I can recall. That's it. And I've probably played five thousand. You know. Are you so, including the one in the documentary? Yeah, both of them in the documentary. At the yes, end of that, you're like, oh, come on, show up. We want you to win. <laughs> because it yeah, becomes a human story. Uh, it does, yeah. And, and it that's why I did so well. It a blabbermouth story and a metal suck story <laughs> and everybody else, too. But, you know. But yeah, there are the, people the, outside that world also that it becomes a story where people that may not know Pentagram may not care. They could be other types of music fans, you know. Right. Everybody doesn't have to like every kind of music, you know, but the point is, I mean, it's still a story of a struggle, family, yeah. success, failure, someone believing in you, someone really laying it out there, you know, and that's, that's what all TV is about nowadays too, you know, it was like, you know, one of the, and reality shows were the big thing nowadays, right? I didn't have a reality show back then. Everything was dummy reality, right? I looked at quiz shows in the fifties. Yeah. The $64,000 question, you know, rigged. Everything was rigged. Right, right, they're rigged. We didn't even know it then, right? So yeah, the only the only you've been pretty quiet on video out there in the as the kids would say the YouTubes, but except for you've a couple of things here and there, and you just did. And I, we were talking. I had spoken to Wino. You did a little clip for Wino. Yes, for I did a little clip. Yeah, and I'm wondering when the damn documentary is going to come out because that was a lot of fun. I don't know. I don't know. But when I was talking to him, I'm like, oh, you know what? I do have to talk to Bobby. I got you know. <laughs> <laughs> Led me on my journey yeah. to speak to you. I was the first person he interviewed. Yeah, he's got and, a couple you know, in there. I think he's got some more to do. He's he's got a lot more to shoot, I think. Yeah, well, Wino stays. You know, Scotty stays on the road all the time, and uh, not necessarily playing, but traveling too all the time. Him and his his lady, you know. I don't know. He's, he's got his bike, you know, and he's got his yeah. His know, bike is this thing now, more more and more. His art, the uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. And the soul. Yeah, the wino art. That's right. Yeah. yeah he left me a really cool little picture when he, when he came over here last time. Yeah, it was about two years now. I told him, stop being a stranger, man, because wino and I were supposed to record together about four different occasions now and never happened. You know, that was actually going to be How did that not happen by now? It was, you know. It was just one of those, let's do this. Let's do, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then it kind of just flaked off in the resistance. Uh, you guys got to push it. You can't be like, well, let's just wait. You got to like say, this is the date. We're going to do it. Come on over. Let's just do this. Yeah. Know. Know. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the latest thing that I recorded and had released was The Limit with Punk Legend, Sonny Vincent, Jimmy Rucker from The Stooges, the two wow. guys from On Rider. And that came out April this year. It was recorded two weeks before the pandemic in Portugal, but the limit was going to be the name of the band with Sarah from uh, Daughter Chaos mm-hmm. and Wino and myself in '15, and I kept it in my pocket. I said, "This is I love that name, man. I want to use that name someday." So finally, when Sonny and I got together in, in uh, 2020, it was like, "Yeah, let's call it the limit," because that's got no limits. You know, and we use it because you get invited on some albums, right? People want you to jam, and you're always getting invited when they're around because you got your your status. They, they, yeah, they they invite me to do recordings and stuff like that, 
but I mean, I don't have any remote facility or anything like that. And they always, well, can you put the vocals on for me? On such as, I don't know how. You're like, let me get my cassette player out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, how in the hell do I do that? You know? I got to run on a radio shack. My microphone's not working. Yeah. The last time Sarah was over here, uh, she recorded, there's a guy, uh, Stonehand McDoomfoot. He calls himself, uh, I'll plug that, on Instagram. The buddy of mine, Morgan from Brooklyn. And he's uh, only 32 now, I think. And we did a cover of On With The Action by UFO. And she recorded my vocals over here in the living room, you know, where I'm living. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Man. It's pretty easy. You can, somebody can come over the computer and some mics and you can kind of yeah. do a pretty decent Yeah, they job. can. You know, I'm, you can't do everything that's not studio. I'm not that guy either. I think you can find a mix, you know, in a pinch. You can't do drums ever. In a, you, you had to be in a studio for drums. Exactly. You need that. Even that Apple uh, computer thing doesn't, you know, it's, it's fake. You can't. Now, you, now they've got the, sem- the samples, though, of all the famous drummers. Yeah. That's the newest, you know, the program thing. I don't, I haven't heard that, but, you know, I want Carmen Appice on mine, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think, I guess it'd be fun, but I like the idea of a live drummer in a live room and a live sound, a warm sound. I like the mics moving. You can do guitars and you can do everything else pretty much on a computer, you know, yeah, but yeah, drums yeah, to me, you know, the, the spontaneity of the whole thing is different when you're in the studio. And, you're and it's also, but yeah, if your band can be live recording in a studio and, you know, yeah, you know that's important. Yeah, we recorded, when we did the limit album, we did the uh, rhythms, bass and drums uh, all at a studio, the same studio. And then we recorded all the vocals and we had all the basic rhythm tracks, but then the pandemic hit. I had to come back here. Uh, we got the Fabian D. Dahmers from Udo, who's a, a smashing big artist, man. Yeah. And, and he worked with Sony many years back. And we got him to to put about nine of the leads on the 12 songs. And uh, we had to mix the whole thing remote from here to from the States to Portugal. Up and back and up and back and up and back. Pain in the ass. Oh. I so- wish I knew how to do it all. Because if I did, yep. this is the honest to God's truth. If I really did and could get the drums, you know, down pat properly, I would have five more albums out now, solo albums. Because I constantly have ideas running through my head and I can't commit them to tape. Well, that's the thing. You haven't done anything side stuff, like having other artists come in and play and done a couple solo stuff. He's always been Pentagram. I mean, you're the only guy who's been always in Pentagram. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, technically, but, but Pentagram was also the sound of a guitarist. You've had other guitarists, different ones, so it's given a good flavor. So it really hasn't changed because you, you have a vision, you know. Yeah, well, it did get a metric. Yeah, I had, I had a vision in the beginning, and I kept true to that. Right. And I'm really committed still to doing that. The next Pentagram album, I hope to write at least half the album. And I'm hoping the other guys, you know, they want to contribute, of course, which I'm totally open to. And, uh, and from working with Sonny Vincent, he was a leader of his whole situation and always was. You, you see all these albums come out. There's like 20, yeah, there's like 28 or 30 albums out there, mm-hmm. all Sonny Vincent and so-and-so. And he always called all the shots. Well, I always called the shots in Pentagram, but we kind of, for the first time, I learned much, much more uh, student-like and giving to take a back seat and open to suggestions of this is and that's and we kind of had a real collaboration on the the mixing and the production on that album you know so it became really good 
well, that's the thing. I mean, it stayed, but you still always talk to that sound. And the thing is, I'm like, yeah, pentagram did, yeah, right. So my thought is like, you're like, well, you know, I like you have that pentagram sound. So you're like, I wouldn't do this song with pentagram, but I might take a left turn and do this song. But it's not a pentagram song. You must have songs like that that you just like. Yeah, it's pentagram, but I really like it. I want to do it. Yes, yeah. That's why I would have had solo albums because I would have had a place to put those right those right. other children. You know. People think of them as stuck kids, maybe, but uh, they're still my babies, man. And, you know, I'm committed to that too. I I, I have acoustic songs too. You know, on the old Stone Bunny stuff, which is 69, 70, pre pentagram kind of thing. I thought you didn't like. I thought that you like people referring to Stone Bunny because it's a joke, and you don't like when people say Stone Bunny. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I said it is a joke. I did. I said I know, no, but you brought it up. Hey, let's call it Stone Bunny. <laughs> like a stupid name. And they say, yeah, yeah, oh boy. Oh my God, stuck my foot in my mouth on that. <laughs> but you know, it's history now. And yes. there's a couple songs on there that are completely acoustic songs where I play the acoustic and the little electric part with it and stuff like that. Well, I think you need to do something with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully. You're not Betty White. You're not Calypta. <laughs> 99. No, gonna, that's right. My mom, my mom, God bless her. She lived to 90. My dad lived to 96. And uh, yeah, so I've got good genes, you know. They're Lee or Levi, one or the other. <laughs> Dunder East. But yeah, right. Whatever the new brands are. And uh, I hopefully, uh, I'll, I'll make my 70s. You if I get to 75, it'll be a hell of a, an accomplishment to me. Well, I think this is, you know, a time. You should probably think about how you're going to do that, how you're going to record some stuff. you got to put it down, man. Yeah, I, I know. You, I know. You can't not do it. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's what I do. That's my offering. Is, is my call in life is to to make people happy through the the artistic. Right, but you need to release those other songs yourself, those solo ones on your side, on the side, just for you. It's not even about the money. It's about you just some some version of recording it somehow to get it out of your system. Yeah, so you can complete something. It's a vision outside of you, and I think fans would like that too. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they would. You know, the fans. I know there's people and that want. Now it would sell. It's, it's not really. I know personal. that people are watching. It's personal. It's very yeah, personal. Yeah, but people always have a complaint or a dig or something, you know. But the fans, you know, it's you talking who's the fans, you know, they know who they are. It's the quiet ones. It's usually the quiet ones. It's the, the 10 loud ones that are <laughs> very loud in the group. Yeah. 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 So at this point, so roughly, hopefully when this COVID is over, you're going to be doing some recording of Pentagram besides other band. So you're thinking maybe you guys can try, hopefully, I don't know, they got this new thing going on, the vibrant. So maybe, I don't know, you think maybe the summertime or something, you guys might be able to. Well, I'm, I'm hoping in the spring that we can do the new Pentagram. Better. Like, like really uh, in March, April, because uh, we don't have anything. We have four tours lined up for 22. Uh, they're Europe, Scandinavia, uh, South America, and some UK. And uh, we don't have anything in the States, though. So if we don't get around to chalking in something for April or so in the United States, I'm hoping we can get in there and do a new freaking album. Well, Europe's a lot more loyal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, tell, I talk about that. It ends up speaking about that in every interview that I've done. Like, the European fans, they just appreciate the performing arts much more over there, mm -hmm. it seems like. A lot of the bands may eat, too. Hot bands yeah. are over yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's loyal. It is. It is. True to your school. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the way to go. Who, who are you touring? Can you share with who you're touring with in 2022? 20, I'm not sure. I'm okay. not sure yet. Cool. It's, uh, there are various, uh, few, various other bands. That's fine. 
you know. Right, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me, man. This, is, this has been great.